are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. It is here. We have reached the pinnacle. Merry Christmas to all. It is draft day. And in the in the spirit of draft day, we are welcoming on fellow Bucks Nation member Evan Winter, host of the North and South podcast that you can find on BucksNation.com. And we're going to do ourselves a little bit of uh, dueling seven-round mocks. But Evan, how you doing, buddy? They're in, uh, they're in Nashville. Hey, man, living the dream. Got to go down and talk to some prospects today. Um, and the NFL draft is just simply incredible how they put everything together. But, yeah, man, can't be doing any better right now. And plus, I'm with you guys. So, you know how that goes. Uh, That's the best I, part. I'm flattered. Right. I mean, it's the perfect ending so, to a perfect day. There you go. So, Evan, you're from Tennessee. So, I'm sure this isn't your first time in Nashville, right? <laughs> Hell no. Now I live like 15 minutes yeah. away, man. So yeah, we're good to go and all that. How how many times have you been to Tootsie's? Zero. Really? Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny you ask that. Uh, I don't know. Just never really found my way in there. Um, it just really, I'm kind of a contrarian at heart. So even if something is viewed as a staple, even, even if it's tradition, whatever, um, I tend to stay away from things that a lot of people tend to not stay away from. So I don't know. Yeah, I've just never been there. Don't get me wrong. I've had my fair share of fun times on Broadway. No. Well, I mean, I know it's a little bit of a tourist trap. Um, Any bar that sells T-shirts and and makes a lot of money doing so is definitely a tourist trap. But uh, it's it's definitely one of the bright spots. I've only been in Nashville once, but it's definitely one of the bright spots in my trip, or maybe twice. I can't remember, Um, which shows you why it's one of the bright spots on my trip. But I mean, very cramped, but it's, it's so it's very small. So I was actually going to ask you, I don't know, you might not know then, is it closed? Because I know the NFL network kind of held up or put up shop. Yeah. There. So it's pretty crazy how all that's working. And um, when I found this out, I, you know, I've been working with Gil on, you know, getting credentials and all that good stuff for a while now. But whenever I found all this out, I texted him and I was just like, man, please get these credentials because there's no way I want to be a part of this. But basically, Every bar from um, – see how, how Nashville works for those who's never been. You've got Broadway, which is obviously the main drag, and then you have certain avenues um, in between each block. So you've got First Avenue, Second Avenue, Third Avenue, so on and so forth, and it works all the way up throughout the entire city, um, basically like any city there is. But anyways, now that that's out of the way, um, basically every downtown bar on Broadway from first Avenue to about fifth Avenue. So five blocks, half a mile for those who don't know what a block is. Um, it's closed or it's rented out to some kind of private corporate event or, you know, some kind of NFL event. And a lot of people had the idea, especially Nashvillians and middle Tennesseans um, that they would, you know, dip in in and out of these bars on Broadway and while enjoying, you know, the show and the festivities and all that good stuff. But instead they're sending, setting up uh, vendors, like there's probably four or five different beer vendors, basically one for each block um, in the middle of the street. So, Going to be paying wow. about 10, 10 bucks for a Budweiser and enjoy those lines. <laughs> that's craziness. That's that's amazing. But yeah, um, very surprised to hear that you've never been to Tootsie's, but I highly recommend it. Like It is pretty small and kind of cramped, but it's it's a fun time. 
I've been uh, to just so, about sorry. everywhere. I've been to just about everywhere on Broadway, but Tootsie. So yeah, sorry, James. I'm surprised James hasn't buzzed me yet. To be honest, with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, was I, mean, for, I was waiting for it with my Broadway story. To be honest, <laughs> no, he's he's painting a picture of what's going on. You know, it is it is draft day. I'm only going to buzz you when you start talking about you know your your pick for too long. But you know, Evan, we have boots on the ground there, and and Evan was painting a beautiful picture for for what everyone's going to be watching on TV for the next three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, it's I really agree. cool how it all works, and the stage is set up on First Avenue, um, right in the middle of Broadway. I got to walk by it today, and the back of it faces Cumberland River. Um, that's the river that flows not necessarily through Nashville, but kind of in between where the Titan Stadium is and uh, where downtown is. And it's just – it's a really cool scene, man. And they have a pedestrian bridge where people walk over and you're going to be able to watch the, watch the show from there. And it's, it's just going to be awesome. It's how Nashville is laid out and the NFL is taking full advantage of the layout. There's just – everywhere you turn for about, about a one-mile square or one-square-mile radius or – I don't even know that's how you can do a one square mile radius, but for one square mile, everywhere you turn, um, you're going to have something to do. And it's really cool. Heck yeah. Wish I could be there, man. Wish I could be there. I I couldn't take the time off work after going to Chicago two weeks ago. So yeah, I'm saving all my money for training camp. So, Hey, I'll yeah, same here, bro. So I'll, I'll definitely, yeah, we'll have to get together in training camp for sure. Oh yeah. All right. Well, Obviously, everyone buckle up because this is not going to fall within our time constraints. We're going to be here for a little while, but I'm sure most of you are trying to soak in as much draft stuff as you possibly can now that the draft is finally here. So here is what we're going to do. David and Evan have each prepared a seven-round Buccaneers mock draft. We are going to go back and forth by round. They are going to present how they got to this pick and why the Buccaneers should make this pick. I will be moderating. If David starts going off on a tangent, I'm going to hit a buzzer and it's going to be hilarious. Uh, (laughs) It'll, it'll sound a little something like this. And that tells David to be quiet. We need to move on. Now, after the even rounds of, of each Uh, or the even numbered rounds, we are going to play a message that we had sent to us from someone who has been a guest on the show. And they're going to give what we're calling their final five. And they are going to be doing a mock draft essentially very quickly um, of the first five picks in this draft, basically showing who they believe the bucks are going to get in the first round and how they got to that point. Now, what that will entail for you, the listeners is we want you to send us your final fives using the hashtag LOB final five. And that's the numerical five, not typing out the whole word. So LOB final five will be the hashtag. Whoever gets the most picks correctly will win a Buccaneers draft hat courtesy of myself and David Harrison. If multiple people get the same number right, we're going to do exactly what we did with the Quan Alexander jersey. We're putting your names in a hat and we're drawing a winner. So I will remind you of all that at the end of the show because we are going to dive right in. We are at pick number five. The Buccaneers are on the clock. General Manager David Harrison, you have the home field advantage. This is your podcast. You are going to be going first. What are the Buccaneers doing at number five? All right. So pick number five, first round. (laughs) 
<laughs> I knew it was coming. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> so I couldn't resist. <laughs> so I'm just, just going to take a really long time now. Pick number five. Um, so with the, with the first overall pick, the Arizona Cardinals, of course, went with Nick Bosa, edge out of Ohio State. And and by the way, just for everybody's knowledge, I'm using the TDM mock draft machine. So don't yell at me for these picks. I'm only making Tampa's picks. Uh, at With the second pick, the San Francisco 49ers went Josh Allen uh, from Kentucky. Third, the Jets went with Quinnen Williams out of Alabama. And fourth, the Oakland Raiders broke James Yarko's heart, which I'm kind of happy it happened now because of what he just did to me, by picking Devin White, linebacker out of LSU. I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to do it again. So... <laughs> Sitting at number five, I'm looking at the board, and we've got Kyler Murray on the board. No. Uh, Juwan Taylor's on there. Tackle out of Florida. Really good dude. Too high for a tackle. So, obviously, I'm going Ed Oliver, defensive lineman out of Houston. Now, of course, if that was the way it had played out, the Bucks are in prime position at that point to get a massive haul in a trade back. You obviously can't do that using the TDN uh, mock draft generator, but – that would be almost an ideal situation for the Buccaneers because you have the Giants right there that want a quarterback. You have Washington that wants to trade up for a quarterback. You have the Dolphins that need a quarterback. You have the Bengals that need a quarterback. So you could really capitalize on that opportunity. Now, David, you and I, of course, have discussed multiple times where we're comfortable trading back to, and Washington is far beyond that. But that would be a, a, a great spot for the Bucks, I mean, they could they could trade back with the Bengals, get an absolute haul, uh, or even they could theoretically trade back with Washington and get a ridiculous haul just to turn around and send some of that back to number nine to jump in front of Denver and be able to take a guy like Devin Bush. So there, there's a lot they can do there, but I definitely don't dislike your pick. I, I love Devin White. I put out an article talking about why he should be the pick, but... I'm not going to be angry if they draft Ed Oliver or if they draft Quinnen Williams, or I might be slightly disappointed if they draft Josh Allen. I'm not totally sold on him, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not Devin white or bust. He's just my, my preference. So I like the pick there for the bucks, especially given the way that the draft board fell, but now we got to send it over to Evan winter. Evan, who do you have the bucks taking at number five? All right, so, yeah, this one was tough. Um, I'm kind of using a combination of TDN and Athletic. The good thing about TDN is I can just kind of log on, you know, and go from there. Um, Yeah, so I know, and I know you guys know this, that I've preached and preached and preached Devin Wyatt at five doesn't work um, just simply because I feel like you could trade back and get something better or get him at a different spot while getting so-called so-called Hall. But after kind of reviewing everything, I don't necessarily know who is willing to trade all the way up to five. And even if you trade back to, let's say, a number 11 with the Cincinnati Bengals, you've still got Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions, the Buffalo Bills, I wouldn't say the Jacksonville Jaguars, and possibly even the Denver Broncos. I mean, God, just imagine Devin White and Vaughn Miller. Um, But they could – all of those could use a player like Devin White. So I don't think you trade back. I don't want to trade back anywhere past 15. Or Honestly, I really don't want to trade back anywhere past 11. Um, 
man. And after interviewing Devin White today, I didn't know this. He told me today that um, there's a lot of similarities between Dave Aranda's defense at LSU that he played in and Todd Bowles' defense, and he feels like he would just slide right on in. I'm sure Todd Bowles is telling that to Bruce Arians, which in return, I'm sure Bruce Arians is listening. I also don't think Quinn and Williams is going to be there. I would love to take Ed Oliver, but I'm going Devin White at five. Welcome to the dark side, Evan. <laughs> Welcome to it the dark side. It honestly side. feels pretty good, man. It honestly feels pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right. it doesn't. I mean, James, you know, we, we talked about this off air, but uh, Evan, this is the first time you got to meet Devin in person, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, and we saw him in Indy, which I know isn't really like meeting, meeting, because it's he's definitely on. You know, I mean, it's a job interview, so right. he's, he's, he's in his persona, which is fine. But that dude just controls a crowd, controls – like every single person that he talks to just wants to do what he says. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And I mean, yeah, he and just that little fact that he told me today, I didn't know that. Um, maybe I missed it somewhere. I, I've never heard that before. But yeah, it was just it was cool to talk to him to get to know him. And, you know, he's he is a he is one of the better players to come out in a long time at the position. So I'm okay with it at this point. If it happened, I was always going to be okay with it just big picture wise, but I'm definitely okay with it now. If, if they were to even choose him over Oliver. Yeah. All nice. Right. I like it. Converted. The winner, the winner of round one is Evan. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I can see defeat, but I mean, in my defense, I didn't have a choice. John Gruden stole my pick. I don't trust John Gruden to make that smart of a decision. So we'll see how that plays out on draft night. Let's move on to round number two, and Evan, we're gonna we're gonna snake this thing. So, Evan, why don't you go ahead and kick off what you're doing with the Buccaneers' second round pick? So, it took uh, obviously Devin White at five. Um, you've got JPP and Carl Nassib on the outside. Most likely, we're not gonna have Gerald McCoy. Um, so, you know, obviously they're going to have to find something to do at the defensive end position. However, I feel like they could maybe even play Will Golston. I mean, that's a guy that not a lot of people are talking about that might actually be a better fit at that position. I would love to see them go um, offensive trenches with like a Dalton Reisner or something like that. But honestly, man, I love what this dude can do. Um, I'm going to take him earlier, probably a little bit earlier than most. I'm taking Zach Allen, and I'm going to go with him off the edge, a a potential replacement for JPP in the future. Okay, I like it. I I like where you're going with that. yeah, I, I one of the things that I've been preaching, and Evan, I'm sure you're sick of hearing it. I'm sure our listeners are sick of hearing it, but I love to hear myself talk, so I'm going to say it. One of the one of the benefits of of the way this draft is laid out is how deep it is along the defensive line and, and at the edge rushers, which is why you have the luxury of being able to get someone as impactful as Devin White at number five, and then still come back and address the trenches. You know whether it's offensive or or defensive line, honestly, but you can still address the trenches with a starting caliber player in round two. So that's exactly what you've done. You've been able to get two immediate starters with those first two picks, and that's exactly what the Buccaneers have to do. They have to hit on these guys, you know, which we've we've seen some trouble with these second round picks being hits, but they have to hit on them to make the Bucks as good as we believe they can be. For sure, and I mean. I, like I said, I like what Allen can do, um, and I don't think, honestly, when the Bucks pick in round three at 70, I don't think he's going to be there. So you you need to get him while he's still there. Yeah, like I said, it's a little bit higher. Maybe they can trade back. I don't really know what the value is going to be at, at that point in the second round, 
But, um, I mean, Tampa Bay did move up in the second to take a kicker. But, um, <sighs> yeah, I, I had to throw Where's the buzzer? <laughs> right? But, uh, right. yeah, I just, right. I just don't feel like he's going to be there by the third round and go ahead and get him right now, pull the trigger. Now, and, David, I'll get your reaction in a second, but I want to throw mm-hmm. this out there. Now, this could be a situation where the Bucks could take somebody else at the top of the second then maybe take that third round pick and Gerald McCoy and sneak themselves back into the back end of the second like and still be able to get him a little bit later. So now you're you're giving yourself three starting caliber players in the in the first two rounds while shedding all of that salary, that 13 million for this year, that 37 over the next three years, and and putting yourself in a position to really just completely revamp the way this defense is going to work. Yeah, I like that. And I like Zach Allen a lot, too. Uh, like you said, Evan, it is a little bit high, but we're not doing trades in this. And, and like you said, the Buccaneers right. would be in a position. And with the amount of talent that's on the board, you have to think even more than in the first round, there are going to be teams in the second round who want to move up. So if the Buccaneers covet a guy that they feel like they can move back and still get, then definitely a prime uh, trading spot. And, and like like it's been said over and over this offseason, Jason Light likes playing the draft game uh, within the game. So Definitely a possibility, and, and any Bucks fan should be happy to see Zach Allen on their team. All right. Well, David, who do we have for your second-round selection? So for my second-round selection, I'm looking at right? So we already got our, quote-unquote, interior defensive lineman in Ed Oliver, but I feel like Ed is a guy who's so versatile on, on, the, on the defensive line that he can provide a little bit of edge value, too. I don't necessarily think I would talk about him standing up from time to time, but I wouldn't be totally surprised if I saw Todd Bowles putting him in a stand-up position along with some other players and using that speed and that quickness uh, from, from that uh, type of situation. So I'm kind of looking, there's a, there's a lot of good talent on the board. Like I'm, I'm really upset because with a 33rd pick first round of round two, the Arizona Cardinals took Amani Warrior, which, you know, James and any of our listeners know is, is a guy that I'm really, really high on. Uh, Paris Campbell went to the Colts after that. So James doesn't have to worry about me using my Ohio state fandom as as in making a, a luxury pick here at, at 39 so when i'm looking at the board we got chauncey gardner johnson out of florida nasir adderley out of delaware jerry tillery out of notre dame honestly i'm scratching him at this point because we got ed oliver we got vita vea i think we're good on the inside there eric mccoy out of texas a&m is a really attractive interior offensive lineman and i am i am definitely a guy who is on board with the buccaneers needing some interior offensive line help uh, Dexter Lawrence is still on the board, and I mean, I could almost cheat here, James, because J.C. Cornell came on the show with his mock draft. Dexter Lawrence was the second-round pick. He even said on the show he's got information from inside Advent Health that the Buccaneers really like Dexter Lawrence. But I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to go with what I want to do because this is my time to do that, and I'm going to draft cornerback Rocky Sin out of Temple. Not only because... He was an awesome guy to interview, and I really believe in what he's got to offer. But the Temple connection is is too good to pass up. The safeties that are left on the board are really good, but they signed a couple. They picked up a couple. I know they're not world beaters, but they still added some people. I still think they need to add a cornerback, and they didn't get a veteran like I think all of us really hoped they would. But Rock is a guy that can come in and play from day one, and he also provides the Buccaneers their nickel corner and Vernon Hargraves, who can now shift inside full-time and dominate in that position was the best name in the draft too so you just automatically get bonus points for that boom yeah i mean i i do like rocky sand personally if i was in your position i would have gone with chauncey gardner johnson i really like him a lot 
Yeah, it was a hard decision. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. But yeah, I mean, I, I I can't fault I can't fault your pick there. So you've addressed the trenches with with Ed Oliver, and now you've addressed the back end with Rock Yassin. So I mean, Evan, what do you, how do you feel that that David's mock is shaping up right now? It's not as good as mine, but I like it. <laughs> I like it. I'm a fan. What can I say? I'm a fan. <laughs> All right. Well, before we move on to round number three, let's go ahead and hear the first of our hashtag LOB final five contributions from the one and only Carmen Vitale of Buccaneers.com. Up, guys? Carmen Vitale from Buccaneers.com. Uh, let's get right to it. Top my top five going in the draft. Uh, let's go first overall, Kyler Murray to the Arizona Cardinals. I think that there's just too much smoke for there not to be fire there. Number two to the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going Quinn Williams. I think they got the outside pass rush, pass rush and D forward in free agencies. Now they help on the interior with a crazy talent and a crazy football mind in Quinn Williams. Three, the Jets. I think that they need some interior help too, and I think they're pretty dead set on it. So I think they go at Oliver, and he's the surprise third, you know, third overall pick um, out of Houston, and he helps out that Greg Williams four three defense. Uh, number four to the Raiders, Nick Bosa has fallen this far, and they need a pass rusher, so that doesn't take a rocket science to figure that one out. And then for the Buccaneers, that leaves them Devin White. And I think that he can be a tremendous impact player for the Bucks in this new defense. And I'd be super pumped to see him riding his horse on into one buck place. So that's it. I hope love it or leave it. But we'll see come draft night tomorrow. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> a big thank you to Carmen Vitale of Buccaneers.com. And uh, Carmen's draft is beating yours at the moment, David. Um Moving on. Not, to- not my fault. Not my <laughs> fault. <laughs> Moving on to round number three. David, what do you have in store for the Bucks? All right, third round. So there are some Bucks fans out there who have been high on Ja'Kai Polite, and I feel like they're probably also Gator fans. We asked Trevor, who is a Florida alum, about Ja'Kai Polite. He, in no uncertain terms, uh, said that he doesn't think the Bucks are looking up Polite. He doesn't think that Bruce Arians likes Polite, so it's probably not going to happen. I agree with him. I don't want Polite, so I'm really happy he's off the board because I don't have to tell anybody that I pass, that I passed him over here with him still on the board in the third round. However, looking at our needs, obviously we still need a linebacker. James, we've been saying it, uh, and, and you know a lot of other people have been echoing it and saying it as well themselves, that you're not finding a starting linebacker after Devin White and after Devin Bush, so we missed out on that, unfortunately. But we do have the opportunity to add depth and potentially add starters elsewhere and I'm looking at the board. We got some safeties on the board, but again, I've already kind of said my piece with the safeties. Uh, we've got some wide receivers on the board. Not a, not enough of a need there for the Buccaneers. Some interior defensive linemen, but the guy that immediately draws my eye is Michael Dieter, interior offensive lineman out of Wisconsin, and I think he could challenge right away to start at guard uh, there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if, if given the opportunity, which according to Coach, Coach Arians, he's definitely going to have the opportunity. Yeah, another good pick. I mean, they, they keep – pushing these these running backs but as as we heard with with Trevor the other day you know it doesn't help to to believe in these running backs when they don't have running lanes and and Ronald Jones had no running lanes at all all season which was a, a big problem so being able to address now the offensive trenches you know after addressing it with Oliver in the first round you know that 
competition breeds greatness and that's going to cause you know the the bucks offensive line to either rise to the occasion or you're going to lose your job to to one of these rookies so i like the pick i think Dieter could um could definitely develop into a starter by time the season kicks off especially given the the need and the below average talent that they have on the right side of that line evan what do you think about that well, I really like it because it was going to be my pick too. But, oh. <laughs> but since um, for just uh, sake of dis- or disparity's sake, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to go with David Long now at this point because uh, Tampa Bay needs a slot corner, so he can definitely do that while VH3 stays on the outside. But um, yeah, man, I love the Dieter pick. Uh, he would be perfect at right guard. Um, he he would be able to pull the swing um, and just actually protect Javid, Jameis Winston from time to time, unlike a certain player that did it last year. Um, and I, I love it. You know, you, you got to love the, the Wisconsin boys. Um, they're just they're they're corn fed country boys, and they know how to get it done. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, as as for the pick that you did end up going with, what you know, besides being able to kind of cover that that slot corner and and have Hargrave stay on the outside, what else is he going to bring to the Bucks defense for those that really don't know about him all that much? Uh, patience <laughs> for one thing he's not going to over pursue he's not going to bite easily on um routes he's not going to bite easily on you know pump fakes or whatever from the quarterback uh he has a really good understanding of pass routes like most cornerbacks that get taken in the first three rounds usually do um and he also stays square at the line he knows how to mirror his receivers really really well he does have a tendency to get a bit stiff when he opens his hips but and that does <clears throat> that does happen quite a bit whenever you have a slot corner but at the same time he gets physical enough where that should be able to offset and you never know over time you might be able to teach him how to adjust you know with his um, inability to open his hips right now so you know and i like the kid's toughness obviously you've got to be tough if um you are a four-year starter at your school, especially a school like Michigan. So I really like uh, what David Long does, and I see him getting taken in third. And, you know, I've been a fan of what Tampa Bay has in the secondary right now, but they could definitely use another body, especially a talented body. And uh, I think David Long could provide that just in case um, Vernon, you know, can't can't reach his potential and ends up having to check out after this year. Yeah, all all great points. I, I like the pick. I know David won't because – he hates all things Michigan and refuses to accept their greatness. Uh, why don't I get a buzzer? <laughs> uh, because you're not the moderator. You did hey, this I'll, to yourself. I'm also a ginger. I've been buzzed my entire life. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, David. What's what do you think about David Long? I actually I like him, and especially when you look at Evans' draft board so far, draft hall so far for the Buccaneers, I think it's a good fit. It's a good value, and I think it definitely brings a need to the team, and it does. It allows Vernon Hargraves to, uh, you know, to potentially prove his worth, and you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, like like we talked about in yesterday's episode with Carmen, you know, the Buccaneers have yet to, unless I missed something today, which I don't think I did, they've yet to pick up Vernon's uh, fifth year option. I think. They're probably yeah, no, they're, waiting to see a little bit of, of what they're doing in the mini camps to see how he kind of takes to the system. I know there's not a lot of physicality going on, so it's going to be a little hard to read because they are looking to make him a press corner again. But I think if, if the team is kind of wowed in the mini camps, maybe they pick it up. Uh, maybe they've already decided they're not going to. They're just not announcing it. And I don't know, maybe they're just hoping that nobody notices as the deadline comes and goes. But uh, 
yeah, it's it's a it's a good pick, and I think it's a guy who definitely has potential to develop into uh, a starter for the team. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to uh, quote unquote day three of the draft, and Evan, you have the honor of picking first here for the Bucks in the fourth round. Wait, who so, won the third round? Oh yeah, we never declared. Um, I'm gonna give that one to David. And I, I don't think Evan will argue because he had the same guy anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I, was, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had to try to do something, you know, I couldn't just leave it up to, you know, just, just milk toast type stuff. You know what I'm saying? I got you. But yeah, I was real close to picking you, Evan, just for the sheer fact that you, you drafted a Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I know how to play to your strengths, right? <laughs> All right. Well, fourth round, Evan, what do you got for us? I've got Kalen Saunders, interior defensive lineman out of Western Illinois. Um, He's a big kid. Uh, I think he can also possibly replace the Gerald McCoy situation, um, especially since uh, the Bucs are moving to a 3-4. Now I know they'll play nickel most of the time, but at the same time you can also have just three down down linemen and nickel. It's not that far out of of grasp, but – Really like what he can do. I know I say that about every guy I pick because that's why I pick him. But, um, you know, just real stout against the run. Um, and that's what Tampa needs a lot of times. I mean, if you look over the course of last season, they really got gashed towards the last towards the end of the year uh, when it comes to the running game, especially against a team that has any kind of competent quarterback. Um, he's really strong, can, can handle some blockers when it comes to his pass rush. But he doesn't. He needs to. He he needs to kind of figure out who he is as a pass rusher. You know, Ed Oliver's got his bull rush, um, and you know, Quentin Williams is just a monster. So he's got to kind of develop more of like a, a signature pass rush move. But he's got the effort, and he's willing to learn in order to do so. So I love Kalen Saunders. Plus, he's a small school kid. You get that chip on your shoulder, and that's exactly what you need to play defensive line in the NFL. Yeah, I, again, I like it. You you got yourself three starting caliber players in the first three rounds, and now you you have a guy who has the opportunity to be kind of that rotational player early on and possibly develop into a starting player. As you said, we you know we know that Jason Light kind of looks for some of these smaller school guys because they do come in with a chip on their shoulder and they've they've busted their butts to get where they are and and they're overlooked. They're not from the Alabamas and the in the Florida states and the Ohio states and the Michigans and LSUs. And, and so they work twice as hard because nothing has been, has, you know, they, they haven't been catered to the way some of these top guys are. So I like to pick and it's somebody that could definitely develop into a, uh, a somewhat impact player. I'm not going to go crazy, you know, saying he's going to you know be a perennial all pro or anything, but he could turn into a semi impact player for the bucks, uh, especially starting off rotationally and then continuing to develop under Todd Bowles. But David, uh, what do you, what do you think about it? Yeah. Kalen Saunders is a guy he's sitting on my board right now as well. And uh, I like him. And, I, and I, when I saw his name, he definitely drew my eye for a minute. I did, however, happen to scroll down just a little bit and found a different target, but you know, Saunders is a guy, just like you said, Evan, I think that uh, he, he's got some potential and he's a guy that could definitely help out the Buccaneers in key situations if, if needed. Um, and, and like I said, other than the fact that I like the upside of the guy that I'm going to take a little bit more, that he was definitely a guy that I was considering as well. Well, then, David, who are you taking? Well, so <laughs> the way that the board fell for or the draft went for me, sorry. Uh, unfortunately, McCall Hardman went to the Arizona Cardinals. That's twice now that the Arizona Cardinals have stolen my pick, so I'm feeling a little bit of Bruce Arians' pettiness coming from Arizona. 
Uh, I think this is this is by design by this point. And I will tell you that Marquise Blair, James, you and I have talked about him. Safety out of Utah is a guy I'm really high on. He's a guy I really like in this class, and I really hope the Buccaneers get him in real life. However, in this mock draft, the Patriots snag him just a few picks before uh, we get back on the clock, so he's not there. If he were there, he would be the pick. Again, he's not. Kalen Saunders is a guy who caught my attention. Scott Reynolds is going to block me because Daryl Henderson from Memphis is on the board, and I'm immediately passing him over. Something that's a little bit more painful for me is that David Montgomery is also on the board, and I'm still passing him over. Because if there's a linebacker later in the draft that could challenge to become a starter, or at least a key contributor in his first year, I believe that guy is Drew Tranquil out of Notre Dame. He's a captain for Notre Dame. He's got range. He's got versatility. He himself, in an interview with DraftWire earlier this offseason, said that he is a guy you can play on the field all four downs, and he's willing to do it. That includes special teams. Uh, again, the captaincy, he was a captain in the senior bowl. The Oakland Raiders staff made him a captain for that group. So, I mean, it just kind of shows just what kind of leader he is. Obviously, the mentality that has to come with that. The fact that he played at Notre Dame means he's got intelligence. He's got the ability to understand complex schemes, which where everybody's expecting Todd Bowles uh, to run. We heard yesterday out of the mini camps that, you know, Carmen said herself, like if anybody ever sees the same defensive alignment, defensive structure, or defensive call twice, then it's going to be a, a huge shock to her because she's already seeing how much versatility, how many different wrinkles they're putting into this defense, and they're just in mini camp. So you're going to need that quarterback of the defense who can trans who can translate all that stuff mentally and communicate it to his teammates. If it can't be Devin White, it's it's Drew Tranquil is definitely a solid consolation prize. You know, I I like that pick a lot. And when I was when I was writing up my piece about Devin White and, and trying to find a a starter a starting inside linebacker after after the Devins were gone, yeah, and I said you you can't find one. Tranquil, I believe, does have the the raw talent and the athleticism and the IQ to develop into that starting player. I don't believe it would be this year. I do believe he would contribute, as as he said, he's willing to play all four downs. I do think he would contribute on special teams. Maybe there would be some packages where he can get in there, kind of get his feet wet a little bit. But I really do like this pick a lot. So, David, you're mounting a comeback here. You're going to win round four because I, I really nice. do. I, I like Trent. Yeah. Yuck. I, I, I do. I like him a lot. But before we move on to round five, well, I, we, real quick, I will oh, yeah, say, yeah. Evan, that the Giants took Saunders right after I took Tranquil, so it's definitely close. It's it's definitely, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's definitely close. Well, I'll take some that I'll take some uh, satisfaction in that in that small victory there. <laughs> All right. Well, before we move on to round number five, let's get to our next guest. Hashtag lob final five. From the founder and CEO of the Draft Network, good friend of the show, Mr. J.C. Cornell. What's up, guys? J.C. Cornell here checking in with my top five mock draft picks for this draft. It is Wednesday, and there's a lot of trade speculations going on, but I'm going to do this draft without any trades. I know Washington could trade up to three or to five. Who knows? But I'm going to stick with no trades for now. Uh, Cardinals at number one. Go with Kyler Murray. Uh, Cliffs wanted to have him on his team since he was coaching Texas Tech. Uh, makes too much sense, especially with a hire like Cliff Kingsbury. You want to make sure he has his guy to succeed. Number two, Nick Bosa. 
to the San Francisco 49ers. Number three, Ed Oliver to the New York Jets. Number four, we're going to go with Quinnen Williams to the Oakland Raiders. And number five, the Bucks get their guy, Devin White, to lead that defense for the next 10 to 12 years. And Bucks fans should be super happy about that. All right, guys, let's have a great draft. All right. A big thank you to JC Cornell for sending that in. And I mean, those were back to back final fives that were exactly the same from two different people. So, you know, it seems like a lot of people are are on the same page leading up to the Bucks pick at number five. But let's go ahead and continue on with our mock draft. And David, you are up with your fifth round pick. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be an interesting one because I'm looking at the board that I have in front of me. I hate it already. You can't even see it. (laughs) You know what? This is going to go against pretty much everything that I've said draft season, during the draft season, during the the lead up to this whole thing. And that is that the Buccaneers don't need a running back. Oh, boy. But he's on the board. At pick 145, and I don't think there's any way this happens, but I'm going to take advantage, and I'm taking Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. Oh, wow. Mm, Baby, what you doing? (laughs) (laughs) What is you doing? You got Peyton Barber. You got Rojo. Baby, what you doing? Yeah, it's it's, uh, I will will take the heat on that being a luxury pick, but I think that at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're hedging our bets, and I mean, I wouldn't say there's no way because obviously there's a way, but I mean, the Bucks got to be able to find a way to get the running game going. If you've got Rojo, you've got Peyton, now you've got Justice Justice Hill, and you've got Andre Ellington in the locker room, in the meeting rooms to make sure these young guys understand what Bruce Arians and Byron left, what you're looking for. I mean, and and we got we got our we got our uh, right guard fixed now. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, the the running game's got to improve. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, I mean, Andre Ellington, you really don't know if he's the answer, and all it takes is one injury to either Peyton or Rojo um, for them to all, all of a sudden need a third running back. So I'm, I can totally see why, why you would take him, and he's a great player as well. So makes sense. Yeah, and something else to keep in mind, and we said it um, on Monday's episode, the Buccaneers have had the fourth most running back visits. Yeah, for for their prospects uh, out of the uh, out of all the teams in the NFL, they've had they've had eight running back uh, pre draft visits, which is that's pretty significant. So, obviously, even though Bruce Arians likes Peyton Barber and he likes Ronald Jones, there's still kind of that feel for a, a need there, and and like you said, one injury and it can derail everything. I mean, if Peyton Barber goes down. Are we going to trust Ronald Jones to carry the load himself? Can Andre Ellington, you know, bulk up that many more carries after being signed off the street? Uh, it's it's a sticky situation, and you know, I've I've been pro draft a running back pretty much the entire process. I definitely didn't think Hill was going to fall that far, but I love that pick. So Evan. You're up next with your fifth round pick, and I'll tell you what, you better bring it or David's going to win his third in a row. Oh, I done brought it, uh, and I'm throwing a curveball at y'all on this one. So Uh-oh. we all remember the story. If it's Will Greer, I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, go ahead and open up that door, buddy, and take one step foot out. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
Here it comes. <laughs> I, I, it's, I'm even going to one up you. So we remember the story of Maurice Hurst with the heart condition, right? Well, oh, yeah. You know where I'm going with this. He was taken in the fifth round at number 140, fell all the way down. Now, I know this guy's heart condition isn't as bad, but it's still bad enough to where some teams, and this has been reported, have taken them off their draft boards. Montez Sweat falls oh, to sixth wow. round, and the Bucks take him right there, guys. And now they have Zach Allen, Montez Sweat as their edge rushers for the foreseeable future. And they're set. Vita Vea, these guys on the outside, Devin White, Justin Long on the inside. Let's say VH3 comes through and Carlton Davis comes through. All of a sudden, this defense is stacked for the next four to five years. Wow. As long as this heart doesn't give out on them. <laughs> That's true. You really think Montez Wet can make, can make it that far? I mean, you just don't know. And if teams are taking them off their boards, that's got to say something. And Maurice Hurst, I mean, he was a hell of a player as well, and he fell all yeah. the way to 140. Yeah. So it's far-fetched. I get it. But you you just never know, man. You never know. And, I mean, there's there's some kind of plausibility to it. Or it's just, If there weren't any reports out there saying teams weren't taking him off the board, then I wouldn't do this. But, man, you just never know. You never know. And, yeah, plus no, I'm I'm and plus, I'm desperate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there, and I mean, honestly, it's a little bit weird too because isn't he the unless I'm unless I'm wrong here, he's the prospect who committed to attending the draft in Nashville, yeah, and then kind of suddenly backed out. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, yeah, he didn't he didn't attend the combine. They, you know, he uh, and now he's sitting at home in Georgia. And like I said, Maurice Hurst was taking with the 140th. Tampa Bay picks 145. So yeah. I mean, it's really not that big of a difference in the five picks. That would be big. That would definitely be big. As moderator, I have to to interject because I can overrule this and I can I can deem it too far fetched. However, there is precedent for this, as as Evan laid out. Now, I do believe that Sweat is going to drop. I believe he will drop to day two. I don't believe he will drop this far, but I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if go ahead, my bad. No, I was just celebrating. <laughs> uh, um, if, yeah, I mean, if teams have legitimately taken him off their board completely, I mean, you don't take a guy off your board. We talked about this with Trevor. Like, I tried to make a lame excuse for the New York Giants saying that maybe they have Daniel Jones at the top of their quarterback board because they don't plan on taking a quarterback until the second round. And he said, he's like, no, you don't do that. Like, even if you don't plan on taking a quarterback till the second round, you still put, you know, Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins or whoever as the number one quarterback because you never know what's going to happen. And that's very true. So even if you're looking at Montez Sweat in your edge group and you're saying, no, you know, his heart scares us, we're not taking him to the third round. We're not taking him to the fourth round. Uh, he's still on your board. You know what I mean? So the fact that uh, if they, like I said, if the reports are true, if if teams have actually taken him completely off their board, that legitimately, I mean, means that they're not interested in drafting him at all. Uh, which would which would be huge, which means he definitely could be there uh, in the fifth round. Um, again, Maurice Hurst is is proof of that. Uh, so yeah, so inter- I, yeah, I'm not even I'm not going to challenge it at all. I'm not. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's from the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. He has a heart condition that can make it unsafe for him to play football, leading some teams to take him off their draft boards. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I guess I guess by default, I have to award round five to. Evan, because he just got a first round talent in the fifth round. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, because the draft is all about potential. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't actually know what any of these guys are going to do on the field. So when we're grading drafts, when we're grading draft picks, we're grading them for their ceiling and what they might be able to provide versus their value of the draft capital spent. So, yeah, I would definitely say that Montez Sweat wins wins that fight. Eat your heart out, Jason Light. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Evan, who do you have for round number six? Number six, I am going Jalen Hurd out of Baylor. Um, I love, love what he could do. Uh, he's a, I said that for every pick. I keep, God, I need to stop saying that. Um, he, he could project perfectly in the slot for the Bucks. He could play H back. Hell, he could even play running back. And trust me, as a Tennessee fan, before he ended his career prematurely at Tennessee, he was seriously on pace to become my favorite Vol of all time. I'm talking ahead of Reggie White, ahead of Peyton Manning, um, ahead of, you know, what uh, Albert Hainsworth whoever else you want to put up there he was seriously on pace the, the kid just loves to play he is determined he's going to work his butt off to get as good as the next person in line and he's got all the he's got all the measurables and like i said he's got all the passion so he he's awesome man and i i would love to see my former boy get on uh get on tampa bay yeah, I'm I'm a big big fan of this pick. His his potential is sky high. And he'll he, work. Yeah, and he is such a raw talent at receiver that he has plenty to work on, but has the work ethic to get it done. And I think uh, I think Bruce and Byron could whip him into shape. One thing about too, he was. I think he finished as Tennessee's sixth all-time leading rusher, and that was coming, and that was like four games into his junior year. Um, if he would have played throughout, and I think he was only like 600 yards away from breaking, being the all-time leading rusher. So obviously, he would have surpassed Jamal Lewis. You know, your Travis Henrys, uh, your Reggie Cobb's. Well, no, he already passed Reggie Cobb. Sorry, um, but either way, all these great running backs that have come through Tennessee. Uh, he would have surpassed all of them, but either way, he still finished six, transferred, sat out a year, and still had an excellent year at Baylor. And before he had to have his knee surgery back in, and it wasn't any kind of major. I think he got it scoped or something. But um, he might have been a fourth or third round pick, even. So the kids, the kids got all kinds of potential, and he's going to work at it no matter what. I like everything that I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, what's what's your rebuttal here, David? Who do you have for round six? My rebuttal is that I'm drafting the same exact player. And I <laughs> well, and when we had JC on, he he told us that there is there is some legitimate interest out of the Bucks in. Jalen Hurd. So, I mean, the, this is a very, very real possibility. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to take it. I, I know Evan's going to win the round because he picked him first and I'm just copying, but I don't care. I like Jalen Hurd enough <laughs> and I agree with everything that Evan said and, and I like it. So Jalen Hurd is the pick. All right. Well, now time to get to our final guest Hashtag LOB final five. And it's somebody that we haven't had on the show in a little while. But you're going to recognize this voice from Buccaneers.com, Mr. Scott Skyline Chili Smith himself. 
Hey guys, this is Scott Smith, senior writer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and hater of Skyline Chili. And this is my final five mock draft, which I offer up on a Wednesday, knowing full well that things could change drastically in the next 18 hours or so, maybe in a way that helps the Buccaneers. But let's just dive right in. First of all, with the first pick, I do believe, as the consensus says, that Arizona will stay put and draft Kyler Murray. I'm basing that on the thought that Josh Rosen would probably have a better feel for what they wanted to do with him if they were telling him behind the scenes that he was their guy and telling him for sure and not to worry about it. Uh, if not, I guess it's a very well-coordinated act by not only Arizona management, but, but Josh Rosen himself. So since I haven't seen that, I'm thinking Kyler Murray's the man here, and that's good for the Buccaneers uh, because that pushes more defensive players down. I think San Francisco obviously has a tough choice between Quinn Williams and Nick Bosa. I'm thinking after they got D Ford that maybe inside is where they'll look, and they'll go with Quinn Williams, get that push up the middle. Could have a pretty uh, pretty effective middle there with him next to Buckner. So that leaves the Jets, and there's a, uh, a rumors, of course, that Washington wants to trade up into the top five. The Jets, who have made it clear that they'd be willing to trade down, could be the target, and that would be great for the Buccaneers. But let's for now say they stay put and take Nick Bosa, who may be the best player in the whole draft. So that's hardly a consolation prize. And then Oakland, who, uh, for obvious reasons, needs a pass rusher, has Josh Allen, the defensive player of the year in college last year, sitting right there for him, 17 sacks last year. I think they're ecstatic to get Josh Allen right there. And so the Buccaneers are now on the clock, and I think they're fine staying put. I don't think they'll be tempted to trade down, especially not past 9 or 10. Here I think they just have to get in on this run of incredible prospects for the front line, and they take Houston's Ed Oliver. I I don't really uh, think it matters what happens with Gerald McCoy moving forward. I think Ed Oliver's a good pick regardless. I think that Todd Bowles can find a way to make him fit in this very uh, a defense that's going to have a lot of variety and is going to move people around quite a bit. I think Ed Oliver would be great giving pressure up the middle. So that's my pick for the Buccaneers, and that's my final five. And I uh, hope you guys uh, have a great draft weekend. I know I will. All right. A big thank you to Scott Smith of Buccaneers.com. So that means our running tally to this point is three picks for Devin White, two picks for Ed Oliver. I still have yet to give my final five. And of course, our listeners are going to be sending us theirs. But before we get to all that, let's round out the Buccaneers draft. David, who do you have them taking in round number seven? You know what's really painful about me going ahead ahead and pulling the trigger on Justice Hill a couple rounds ago? That Elijah Holyfield fell to the seventh? (laughs) Uh, He did. However, so did Divino Zigbo. Oh. And Jordan Scarlett. And Jordan Scarlett, yeah. Are you looking at my computer, sir? I'm not comfortable (laughs) with this. And James knows that I'm a huge fan of Divine Zigbo, but I can't, I can't do it. Hey, unfortunately, Dave, remember when you asked me before the show why I had extra players? Oh, <laughs> oh <now>. get bodied! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't have an offensive tackle, I don't have a safety, and I don't have an edge rusher in my class. So I'm going to solve that right now and piss off James all in one fell swoop. Isaiah <laughs> Prince, offensive tackle, Ohio State. Now, Evan, you have? <laughs> I'm losing this draft now just because of that. You know who else was there? Okay. So you know who else was there that I actually would pick just 
for for reality's sake instead of just getting under James' skin. Uh, Led better out of Georgia. That's who I would actually take. Okay, all right. And, and I actually I don't hate the Prince pick either. I mean, you're you're taking somebody in the seventh round. You hope that they develop into a contributing member of a 53 man roster, but the expectation is they probably won't. So at that point, it is the crapshoot of all crapshoots. So I'm not going to overanalyze the seventh round by any means, and I'm not going to dock you any points for choosing an Ohio State player, but I will still say, may God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Evan, how about you? Who do you have for your seventh round pick? All right, so... I'm believing in Alex Kappa. I'm leaving the interior offensive line alone. Uh, another reason for that is I believe um, if Trey Smith from the Vols can come back from the blood clots in his lungs, um, that's obviously a medical concern. But I feel like the Vol or the Vols, I feel like the Bucks could get him in the 2020 draft in the third or fourth round. Um, and plus, there's also a lot of enticing prospects to replace a Demar Dotson next year, or you know, uh, beef up the line if Alex Kappa doesn't work out. Obviously, the entire left side is uh, pretty much figured out. And Ryan Jensen, I, I don't know as much as I hated on him last year for his struggles and stuff. Um, I really feel like he's going to have a bounce back here. So. That leads me to taking Bryce Love out of Stanford. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and pull the trigger on a seventh-round running back. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. It just takes one injury for these guys to go down. I know Bryce Love has had some injury issues in the past before, but, I mean, behind Sean Wilson, Andre Ellington, uh, Peyton, and Rojo, he'll probably most likely be a practice squad player, but he's another guy who's going to work. He can catch. He can run. Um, and if one of the guys above him goes down, then he can slide right in and hopefully make some kind of impact uh, later on during the year. Yeah, again, I, I like it. You, you're taking somebody in the seventh round and, and hoping for the best, but you're not, you're not putting too much stock in it. You're not counting on them to be a superstar. If they are, fantastic. You found that diamond in a rough. You got that steal the draft, however you want to put it. In the meantime, you just kind of hope that he's able to be there, be in the rotation at running back, get a couple carries here and there, maybe contribute on special teams. But I I think you're right. He ultimately would probably end up a practice squad member. Right. I mean, just have a Sean Wilson role like he had last year before he got hurt, and I'm happy, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's – I mean, all all you really look for, I think, in the seventh-round draft pick is can you visualize him legitimately having the opportunity to potentially – contribute that's a lot of maybes you're putting in in that sentence like a lot of words that are basically maybes in that sentence and i believe it when i hear it and and yeah when i think about it so that's that's a successful pick although i will mention that i i got seven starters so (laughs) well technically you got six starters because one's the same player that i picked well that means we got uh, (laughs) we can share in that one you you think you think justice hill is going to start over peyton barber uh, I mean, for the sake of winning this competition, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, David, go ahead and run down your full seven-round mock real quick to recap. All right. So first round, because Devin White was already drafted by the Raiders, at Oliver, don't at me. Um, Rocky Rule number Asin. 76, no excuses. Play like a champion. <laughs> Rocky Sin in the second round. Michael Dieter, interior offensive lineman. Your starting right guard for the 2019 Tampa Bay Buccaneers with pick 70. Drew Tranquil. Pick 107. Pick 145 is Justice Hill running back out of Oklahoma State. Jalen Hurd uh, out of Baylor at 208, which is enormous value. 
and then uh, Isaiah Prince, go Buckeyes. <sighs> you you almost had a chance, and then you. It's actually go Bucks, but I figure if I said go Bucks on this podcast, everybody would just assume I'm talking about the Buccaneers. Which I mean, go Bucks as the Buccaneers as well, but I just I had to extend it to Buckeyes. Uh, enough of your suck eye propaganda, Evan. Can you run down and recap your seven round mock for us? For sure. We got Devin White. Just makes total sense when it comes to the players available, the best player available, and long-term picture or big picture. Zach Allen, I know it's a high price in round two, but I don't feel like he's going to be there at the, at the third overall pick, and I think he's exactly what this defense needs, just a tough-nosed guy who can also get pressure off the edge and make tackles in the or make plays in the backfield when needed. Um, third was uh, David Long out of um, – out of Michigan, uh, slot corner, can play press, great for this type of defense. Kalen Saunders, so interior defensive lineman out of uh, Western Illinois, big, stout, um, has to work on his official pass rush move, but once he gets that going, I feel like he could definitely, definitely be a potential replacement for Gerald McCoy, um, and he would work great next to Vea. Uh, Montez Sweat in round five. I know that's the one that's kind of the conditional, the abstract pick, but there's a chance it can happen. If it does happen, then holy crap, Tampa Bay's defense all of a sudden just does a complete 180 from a year ago. Uh, Jalen Hurd, number six, he could be a great slot receiver, versatile weapon on offense, um, and especially if somebody were to get hurt, he can fill in. Uh, wide receiver, tight end, running back, you know, wherever. And then finally, round seven, Bryce Love out of Stanford. Um, like we said, you know, the entire time, one running, one play, every running back's one play away from an injury. And it's usually the, one of the more often injured positions in the NFL. So Bryce Love, boom, can also play a special teams role and a uh, hard worker. All right. Well, it is now my job to declare a winner and the winner of the dueling. Seven-round Buccaneers mock draft. Hang on. I have extra credit. Oh, geez. <laughs> Breaking as we're recording, the Buccaneers have picked up Vernon Hargrave's fifth-year option. Wow, really? I like I'm it. taking credit for asking the question yesterday. I think that they heard me, and they're like, crap, someone's going to notice. Let's just go ahead and get it. That's that's how that went down. So that's that's bonus points for me. I like it, man. I like it. I really want to see what he can do, and I feel like when he's finally healthy, I really feel like he can make a difference. Yeah, I'm happy they did it. I mean, uh, same thing. If, if if he's healthy, I think he's definitely going to contribute. And just like Bruce Aaron says, you can't coach scared well, Jason Light. You, you can't GM scared. You can't act scared as a, as a franchise. If they pick up his – well, they picked up his option. If it goes south because he got injured, you can't predict injuries. And anybody on Twitter right now tweeting that he's just going to get injured again, and if he does, you didn't predict his injury, okay? You, you took a 50-50 gamble and landed on black. So right. – uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. But if again, you're you're talking about potential and ceilings, and his ceiling as a press man corner uh, in this defense under Todd Bowles is definitely warranting or warrants uh, a fifth year option. All right, well, David, I have calculated with your bonus points, and the winner of the dueling mock draft challenge is still Evan Winter. What? <laughs> yes. I'm not surprised in the slightest. Woo! <laughs> yeah. But but there is an asterisk there. We will revisit if Montez Sweat still goes in the first round and then you will win by default. Yeah, that that man, and I'm totally cool with that because <laughs> that, that, like I said, man, I understand it's a reach, it's a possibility, but it's also a reach. So yeah, falls right in the middle. Just just true to character. Yeah, I, I don't, and, I don't need I, your charity. As I said, I would have overruled it had there not been precedent for it. 
happening once before. So anyway, we are going to now do my hashtag LOB final five. And I will give the first, my predictive. We're out of time. I think we got to (laughs) go. That was terrible. Yeah, that's my one. I love it. I got a whole soundboard over here, guys. I can go four days. Like I can, I can, I can sit there and slap you over the internet. I'll do it again. <laughs> it sounds like the uh, like in uh, in back in like music class in elementary school when you had to play the keyboards and you had to clap the clap. <laughs> <laughs> That's <what it> <laughs> Oh yeah, I got some fun ones on here. I'm gonna have fun playing with this soundboard now uh as as David and I move forward with Oh jeez. Yeah. Oh uh, just <laughs> you'll you'll be in the middle of a sentence and, and I'll just hit a button and Hello. <sighs> it's <John Cena>. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> uh your boy got a soundboard. That's what's happening. Anyway, my hashtag LOB final five. Pick number one, the Arizona Cardinals. The pick is going to be Kyler Murray, and I will tell you why. Mike Florio the other day said something very interesting to me. And I think if if this had come to fruition, it, it would have made a lot of sense. He said that the way to really determine whether or not the Cardinals are serious about Kyler Murray or not is whether or not he backs out of attending the draft. Kyler Murray was not going to decline playing baseball and go to Nashville and attend the NFL draft if his agent didn't tell him that he was going to be the number one pick. He also shares the same agent as Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. So you connect those dots. Kyler Murray, as of this recording, of course, is still attending the NFL draft. That, to me, is a huge sign that he will be the number one pick. I I don't think the Cardinals are going to back out now. So that takes us to number two, the San Francisco 49ers. I think they go ahead and they stick with Bosa at number two, despite the social media kerfuffles and, and all of that. He's just such a good prospect, and he's such a good football player. I think they're going to have a chat with him about some immaturity issues because that's really what it boils down to, in my opinion. I'm not saying that's an excuse, but I'm saying that you know th- there's there was some immaturity there. They'll address it and move on. Number three, the New York Jets. I do think that they go Ed Oliver. It seems to just make a lot of sense. And I do like Ed Oliver a lot. I'm not going to be upset if the Buccaneers take him by any means. He's an impactful player. And I think he's really going to help the Jets with their pass rush and get them to the level that they need to be. Number four, the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden's insanity. I would almost be tempted to take DK Metcalf here just because that's something John Gruden would do. But they're going to take Quinnen Williams. Again, makes too much sense. He shouldn't have fallen past the Jets, but I think Ed Oliver is going to fit a little bit better as to what they want to do. So you have a, a gift fall on the lap of Mike Mayock and John Gruden in Quinnen Williams. And of course, at number five, I will be taking Devin White for the Buccaneers. As I laid out on BucksNation.com, it makes too much sense to take Devin White in the first round and take advantage of a deep 
draft class of defensive linemen and edge rushers when you can get a starting caliber guy on day two. You cannot do that with inside linebacker, and that position is so crucial in Todd Bowles' defense that they have to address it as fast as they can because if they don't come away with one of the Devons, they're not coming away with anything, and it could handicap this defense moving forward. So Devin White, linebacker out of LSU, is my pick for the Buccaneers. So with that, gentlemen, anything else before we sign off and send people into draft day in wonderful style? Uh, Real quick, man, on the whole Kyler Murray thing, um, I thought it was real odd. I was able to attend a uh, special draft event. That's how I was able to land a lot of those interviews I had today. Um, but they did this. It was um, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was like this hunger awareness drive where uh, some kids from surrounding high schools um, helped uh, a lot of or the NFL draft prospects helped a lot of the NFL, uh, kids from surrounding high schools pack these backpacks full of basically like lunches, supplies, you know, for um, kids in need. It's really cool to watch. And there was a competition type style. However, Every um, David and you know, and I sent you the list of players the other day that are guaranteed to show up this weekend who are attending. Um, every player was there, but Kyler Murray. So just, I guess he's just staying away, and I guess he's just doing keeping his head down till you know till he can any longer. But just thought one of this guy that I met, he um, writes for UPI, real cool guy. Um, at, we were talking about how odd that was though um, at the launch today. And yeah, everybody was there, but him. Yeah. I'm not a fan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I can definitely see why that would rub some people the wrong way. And I'm just no, no speculation on my part, no opinions thrown out on my part. I'm just, you know, just stating what I saw today. And that was, that's, that's 100% true. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think it goes back to what you were saying, James, from that report that, I mean, he really doesn't have a reason to go out there and impress people. I know he's done some visits and, and all that stuff anyway, but I think some of that could be part of, you know, the game and, and just, I mean, it could honestly just be part of just enjoying the experience. You're never going to get, uh, you know, wined and dined by NFL teams the way you are as, as a potential top pick in the NFL draft. So, yeah, I, I think that that kind of hits the nail on the, on the head. All right. Well, with that, gentlemen, I think that is going to wrap it up for this episode. As for Evan Winter and David Harrison and myself, you can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Evan will be at the draft, so make sure you are following him on Twitter at Evan underscore Winter. Yes, Winter is coming to the draft in in Nashville. Um, You can follow along with us on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation, send us your voicemail reactions to the first round. David and I will try to get as many of them on our reaction show as possible, but you have to keep them under a minute. Any any voicemails that we get that are over a minute, automatically disqualified. We're not going to play it on the air because we are going to have to get to as many as possible. Make sure that you are entering in our Locked on Bucks Final Five Challenge. Retweet this episode using the hashtag LOB final five. That is the number five, like Josh Freeman used to wear (laughs) and give us your predictive first five picks in the NFL draft. Whoever gets the most correct will win a Tampa Bay Buccaneers draft hat courtesy of the Locked on Bucks podcast. That would be me and David. 
anyone who ties for first, we will put all of you in a hat, draw out one name, and that person will win the draft hat. Retweet, hashtag LOB final five, and your final five to enter. Guys, now listen, I need to oh, say this. It stops at 8 p.m. Eastern. Ooh, good call. Someone would try to find a loophole. Yeah. And if the Buccaneers trade out, we haven't actually talked about this. So if the Buccaneers do trade out, I still like, we just need to keep the integrity of the contest. It's still the top five. Um, so if you think there's going to be trades happening, like if you think the Bengals are moving up to three to get Dwayne Haskins, by all means, make your number third, your third pick Dwayne Haskins. I don't care about the team. We're talking players here. You can put the team on there. That's fine. But if you get the player correct, then we're, then it's going to count. All right. So yes, we need your top five players, top five players. Hashtag LOB final five guys, gals, Buccaneers fans. The draft is finally here. Hope you all enjoy it. Have a great time. Follow all of us on Twitter for some great interactions, especially Evan, who will be in attendance right there covering it all for Bucks Nation. Hope you all have a safe, wonderful, enjoyable day. And thank you so much for joining us right here at Lock on Bucks.